have this glorious lifestyle to everyone watching, they are actually doing what God forbids in verse 1. They walk in the counsel of the wicked. They stand in the way of sinners and they sit in the seat of mockers. Over the past few years when, when Angela was teaching, I can remember her coming back as she was in high school. And some of the things that you know kids say they want to be. And one of the things that became disturbing to me is she would tell me accounts on occasion of kids, what do they want to be, what do they want to do, what, you know, we're in high school, it's kind of start really thinking about where you want to go, what you want to do. I want to be an influencer. I'm like, what is this? I'm old, I'm getting old, you know, that's, that's beyond me, but this is more and more common because the world views you in a certain light. And they think that joy and happiness, contentment is found in that. It is seeking after the folly of the world. And it's becoming more and more prevalent every day in our society. <clears throat> they walk in the counsel of the wicked. They think this is good. Therefore, unlike the righteous who are trees that are planted by water, whose leaves do not wither, the wicked are like chaff. They are blown away. The wind blows them away. In this scripture, it kind of draws from the picture of harvest time. As, as the grain's brought in from the field, it's taken to the threshing floor where they thresh out the good from the bad, the good grain that's useful. Then there's leftover, it's the chaff. It's worthless, it's empty, it has no value. It'll be burned up in a fire. The chaff was discarded because it was worthless. And accordingly, what, the, what this psalm is saying is that the ungodly are empty, shallow, worthless, and ultimately will be burned up. As a result, verse 5, the wicked will not stand in judgment. They will not have God's acceptance. They will stand before him in the last day and they will be exposed for what they really are. Revelation chapter 20, the, the, the final judgment. The, the final judgment. Verse 15. It says, if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. But from verse 11, it talks about all the books are brought out. You'll be judged according to these, unless your name is in this book. The wicked, the unrighteous, cannot stand when that day comes. They will be justly condemned for their sins, sentenced to an eternal punishment, and they will be removed from the assembly of the righteous. They will be revealed in the final judgment for what they are. They're chaff. They're unworthy sinners, rightly condemned by Christ. The last verse summarizes the two paths. The Lord watches over the way of the righteous, which means far more than he is informed about their ways. God has a personal and intimate relationship with the godly and is involved with them in order to guard and guide them. But the way of the wicked, it says, will perish. Now the Hebrew, the word that's translated as perish here from the Hebrew, uh, it means to die or to undergo destruction. It is used to describe the loss of strength or knowledge, the decline of a, a nation. In Numbers 21, it's used in that sense. Uh, it's even applied to the destruction of pagan idols and images and temples in Deuteronomy 12. When used of people, the word generally refers to death or the end of life. But it also, it's also used for eternal destruction of the wicked beyond a physical death. And we get that from Psalms 49, 73, and 83, Ezekiel 28, 
in Proverbs 10 and 11. When used as destruction after death, it spoke of an unending, eternal destruction of the wicked that would never end. The ungodly will be damned forever. The wicked will suffer a relentless torment in a real place called hell. Always perishing. Always perishing. Never ending. But blessed are the righteous who do not participate in the deceptions and defilements of an evil world. So there's two paths. There are two paths in life. As we take all this in, what do we do with this? Martin Lloyd-Jones, he tells about a traveler in Ireland who once stopped and asked directions. The traveler asked, said, my friend, if you were to go to Dublin, which way would you go? The Irishman replied, I wouldn't go there from here. I think many people, this is their thought. They want to start someplace other than where they're at. But the truth is, we got to start where we're at. And the reality of this, this psalm is true for any of us. Are we in Christ? It's a reminder that we have a path, a journey we're going on. It may not be the easiest, but it's leading to him. If we're on a path that's descending to destruction, it's a warning that to turn around. Many people that they want to enter the way of the godly, but then they procrastinate. They put it off to another time, waiting for to be at some other place in life, you know, a little more comfortable maybe. They want to start somewhere other than where they are. But we all got to start at the same place. It all begins with repentance of our sins. If we want to be on the path of the godly, of the righteous, we must face our sin. We must confess it for what it is. It is a sin against a holy and righteous God. We have, we have defiled him. And we must turn to Christ in faith. Anyone who travels the broad path of the wicked may enter the way of the righteous, but it starts where they are. It starts where you are. You can enter this way of the righteous if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. You must repent and believe in him. He is the one that bore the sins of his people upon his body on the cross. This is the good news of the gospel. One may enter the way of the godly if they will trust in Christ and in Christ alone. But it begins where you are. We must turn to Christ. We must repent. The first chapter of Psalms is a map. It's a guide to the path of life. One leads to the eternal presence of a holy and righteous God. The other down to eternal punishment. One way seems easy now. It's a downhill grade. The other one seems hard. It seems difficult. It seems opposite of everything we've ever been taught from the world. One may look difficult now. It may be less traveled, but true peace, contentment, and joy are only found on this path. And that is the path of the righteous, the godly. Today we stand at a trailhead. Which way do you choose? The path of righteousness 
the path of the wicked. The one that looks up to the glories of God or the one that's leading down. Which way? Which way do we go? And the way we answer this question reveals a lot about us. It reveals a lot about us. And it leads to a lot of diagnostic questions too. Every person has to ask themselves, what path in life am I traveling? What path am I traveling? Have I entered through the narrow gate that leads to the path of the godly? Or am I traveling the broad road? These questions we must answer and we must answer them accurately. It's easy to deceive ourselves, but to answer them truthfully we must do. Now, if we say we are walking a path of righteousness, this must this will lead to another series of questions. <clears throat> Is there clear evidence of a transformed life? Are you experiencing the blessedness of God? Are you experiencing peace and joy? Are you living a separated life, distinctly different from the ungodly? Is your delight in the word of God? When Paul tells us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, even as the godly is the righteous, those who have been redeemed in Christ, we must ask ourselves these questions on a daily basis, dying to ourselves every day. Because many people within the church today, they point to this mystical feeling or emotional experience for the validity of their conversion. But we must look to the fruit of a changed life. What are the things scripture said will be true of the of the of the transformed person any tree planted by living water will produce fruit this includes things like personal holiness christ-like character good works stewardship the praising and worship of god are these demonstrated in your life these are the hard questions we have to ask ourselves if this is not true of you i would implore you today at this very moment, to call on the name of the Lord and repent, turn to him. The scripture tells us today can be the day of your salvation. The call to come to him, it is open. It's the wonderful thing about um, trusting in the sovereignty of the Lord. I don't know who the Lord has called. I don't know who he's working on. All that I can say is all could come to Christ. If you don't know what path you're on, I say call out to him. Because we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We have all sinned in the face of a holy and righteous God. But God sent his son to bear those sins. And true peace, true contentment, true salvation is found in him and in him alone. If you don't know where you are, if you don't understand, call out to him he is faithful to save and trust in him and his righteousness if you've been walking with him for years remember it is in christ alone christ alone that our faith is in christ alone that our joy is in and this psalm is such a great reminder of that as we travel through this life it is in him and in him alone he's the one that revives us sustains us and it is a warning to those that don't know christ you're headed you're headed down a path that leads to eternal destruction. Call out to him. Let's pray. God, we, we, praise your, we praise you for your magnificent name, for blessing us so abundantly. 
Thank you for abounding goodness which has been lavished upon us in Jesus Christ. We praise you that, that our hearts would be most satisfied in you. May you guard our souls from the temptations and deceptions of this world. May you secure us and anchor us in your word. Help us to draw the spiritual nourishment we need from the scripture so that we may stand strong and live fruitful lives for the honor of your name. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Thank you so much.